Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Hey, welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. Chase Frederick, Dane Mizutani here. Touching on all things Vikings, Odyssey's new Vikings podcast. Dane, we made it. We're recording this on Thursday, September 8th, which means the NFL is starting. Game tonight. Bills Rams getting the action underway. We're just three days out from Packers Vikings week one. Thank goodness. Um, how excited are you that we are here? I honestly didn't know if we were ever going to make it to this point. Like it, it's felt so long and like, I feel like preseason always feels so long, but even more so the past two years when you lose that last, like not that I liked preseason game four, but when there's like such a weird, like limbo gap between preseason game three and a week and then regular season game one uh, it's felt like it's taken forever so just I'm, I'm glad it's here thursday this game like you said recording thursday morning the thursday night football game is an awesome way to start off the season with buffalo versus defending super bowl champ los angeles rams and and then excited to get into sunday um i think vikings packers what 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 better way to start a season from this fan point basis perspective. I will say like, I apologize to Vikings fans because I remember what it's like to like wait for your favorite team to play that Sunday. And you, and it takes forever to get there. And, and you wake up Sunday morning and you're like watching pregame shows and stuff. And it's like, all right. And it's great when your team plays the noon game. Cause it's like, here we go. The Vikings Packers game is at three 30. And I know here in this local market, you're going to be like, all right, football and noon's going to come on and Fox. And you're like, Ooh, bears 49ers. Um, It'd be tough to kill a few hours. So I would suggest maybe just listening to Inside Purple and Gold. Uh, <laughs> but then we, we will eventually get there. We will finally get to Packers Green Bay at that 3.30 kick, um, kind of a national TV game in a sense. Uh, look, it's a big rivalry game. It has massive implications. We'll talk about those implications because I think it's week one, but it's massive. Um, it's really big for this team and, and the future of this season, frankly. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about kind of preparation. Um, and... And I, I think maybe that sounds weird coming into week one, but Kevin Seifert had a good story, I thought, in ESPN this week, talking about the Vikings. And and it was kind of based around culture, but it far more so got into the Vikings training camp approach um, and, frankly, mm-hmm. a lack of physical reps. Uh, there were very few practice reps for guys. Obviously, we didn't see any of the starters really much in the preseason. But even like in practice, they got off days. They didn't have many, like hardly any live reps. There's no tackling to the ground. This is through all the training camp. And and not every team does this. Very few do, I think, um, take this much of a hands-off approach. But we see the results in that the Vikings injury report is, like, almost entirely clean. What do you think of this, Dane? Like, you probably saw some of this. You probably saw not much physicality in any of these, any of these training camp practices. What did you think of? It then when you're watching it and what do you think of it now seeing that the Vikings are very healthy but we don't I guess know how prepared quote unquote they might be for week one yeah you know how I feel about the preseason I think it's really stupid so I think yeah, the yeah. fact that that no starters essentially no starters I know they, they trotted out the first team offensive line in the first preseason game but that was for like eight plays and then it was basically just backups and third stringers the rest of the way throughout the rest of the preseason I think that's the smart way to go about it. Look, I don't know if it's going to work. There is a very good chance that we come Sunday and the offense looks clunky. The defense looks 
like not physical and, and not prepared for the fight because they haven't gotten that opportunity to go live in a game. But frankly, I don't care. Like I, I think this is the way that everyone's going to start doing it at some point. I think Kevin O'Connell is ahead of the curve in that sense. Like It's just too risky. Zach Wilson played like a couple of series and like tweaked his knee towards meniscus. And now like, we don't know when he's going to be ready for the jets. Like, it's just every time you step on the football field, you can get hurt. And if a main contributor on this Vikings team got hurt in the preseason, I, I think you're screwing yourself before it even starts. So I have no problem with how they handled it, but I am extremely curious to see how it, how it plays out on Sunday. Because like I said, there is a world where the Vikings just look woefully unprepared because they they haven't really had the reps to to kind of prepare themselves for what's to come. Yeah, and like what's interesting about this because a lot of teams do the no preseason thing, right? Like a lot of teams had the starters not take hardly any reps, if any. But like the Vikings didn't do that much practice reps. Like there weren't like a lot of live practice reps. These guys weren't doing much. Like uh, Seifert has in his story, like when they had San Francisco for those two joint practices, those were like the only like live practice reps they took all fall all like this whole month of august basically and the only like scuffle apparently came from the fact that san francisco is maybe going a little too hard in them uh so like minnesota like obviously you see the level of intensity and maybe that's not fair because you can say like you, you can be intense without hitting and whatnot uh but you're trying to prepare without doing the physical aspect of it in practice without tackling any of your teammates in practice like that is going to be really interesting to me because i we've never seen that here um, like, like take away the preseason, like the actual training camp practices, not a whole lot of physicality. Uh, I'm not saying it can't work because the Rams have done it and the Rams are great every year. The Rams are great to start seasons. The Rams are great throughout seasons. That's where Kevin O'Connell's from. He's seen that work firsthand. Did that work because the Rams had one of the best rosters? Did that work because Sean McVay's a genius? Did that work because this is a good strategy to implement? I mean, like yeah. the sample size is small, but the sample size is good, but just because it worked for the Rams doesn't mean it will work for the Vikings. I'm very interested. Um, like I've been concerned about the start of the season from a mental perspective, just because you're bringing in a couple different schemes um, and how, how quickly are guys going to pick that up in live action. But now I'm pretty intrigued to see like, okay, this is the, what they did in training camp. They didn't do much and they're very healthy because of it. Um, there wasn't even like a practice rep where somebody's going too hard and, and, you know, like breaks a thumb or something, but, Sorry, Irv Smith. He's back. Uh, but but are, are you ready to go? Are you going to be able to match Green Bay's physicality come week one? Yeah, I, I think that is a fair point. I, I, I will say this about Kevin O'Connell. Like, at least he went all in in one direction, right? Like, it, he didn't be like, okay, we're going to go hard some days and other days we're going to take it easy. Like, it was a very concerted effort from the beginning. Like, we're going to keep you guys healthy. And we're going to, we think that's the best way it's going to work. We don't know if it's going to work. Like, like, like you said, to your point, we don't know if it's going to work, but he truly believes this is the best way to go about it. And he went all in, in that direction. We'll see if it works Sunday. Um, who knows? Maybe they come out Sunday and they look just like world beaters and they're ready to go. And because they are so fresh and ready, like they dominate green Bay. Or it could be the complete opposite where they just look scared and not ready or just not prepared for the physicality. Like 
because they haven't been that physical in practice. Kevin O'Connell brought up yesterday, he, he kept saying like, we've had a lot of ones versus ones in practice. Like, yeah, like at a walkthrough pace, right? Like it's not, it's not like Patrick Peterson and, and Justin Jefferson are really going at it in the same way that Justin Jefferson is going to have to go at it with Jair Alexander in week one. Like, yeah, I get it. Like if Justin Jefferson and, and Patrick Peterson are running full speed through their route, and, and their coverage respectfully, like, I, I guess that's prepares you a little, but it, it it's just the physicality wasn't there. And so I, I think we're going to, we're going to see if, if it worked, but I think like with the injury report, like Jonathan Bullard was the only person on Minnesota's injury report. And like, I think a lot of people probably don't even know who Jonathan Bullard is. He's probably going to start at defensive end because of Armand Watts leaving. He was limited in practice yesterday. Armand Watts didn't leave. He got cut, but Jonathan Bullard fills in that role on the defensive line. Uh, I'm looking at green Bay's injury report right now. And it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 guys on it. Some of those guys are just like full participants with injury designations, which is important to note. But like other guys, like it was, they're coming back from off season stuff. Like this is like David Bakhtiari, like he's still coming back um, from, from injury. Like Elton Jacobs still coming back. Robert mm -hmm. Tunyon still coming back. So like, and we're not saying that green Bay went all out of a training camp and got guys hurt. Like a lot of those are guys coming back from off season stuff. But the fact that the injury report is long, like some of that stuff did happen in training Christian Watson. I mean, he was a full participant with a knee, but he's not ready to go week one, the rookie receiver out of North Dakota state. Like Alan Lazard did not practice, got stepped on, I think was what they said. And like that can happen in any, any sort of scenario. But I think like physicality going to the ground, like those things matter when those freak injuries, freak accidents happen. The Vikings have, kind of ridded themselves of any sort of risk in that standpoint by what they've done. And, and we'll say it again and again, like we're going to see on Sunday if it works. Um, it might, it might not. Um, but I think that's sneakily like one of the most intriguing parts of Sunday in, you know, regardless of how Kirk cousins looks, how Justin Jefferson looks is just like, how do the Vikings as a whole look like, are they ready to play? Cause I think we'll find out right away. Like, Oh, Maybe that wasn't so good idea. We don't know the answer to this, but I'm very intrigued to see if Green Bay changed the way they did training camp, just in the sense that super phenomenal season. So maybe there's no reason to, but do you remember week one last year? They got blitzed by New Orleans, 38 to three. They look like the worst football team in the NFL. Went on to have mm-hmm. a phenomenal season. Um, obviously, it was you know the one seed in the NFC, but it got off to a horrible start. So you know maybe they change it. Maybe they don't. I, let's start getting into this matchup preview um, here in segment one. We will talk. Vikings defense versus Packers offense, and then we'll flip it after the break. Uh, but, Dane, what does intrigue you the most about this Vikings defense trying to at least contain Aaron Rodgers in that offense? I think it, like, my gut is that it comes down to the receiving core and, like, the Packers' offensive weapons. How do they stack up? Like, I think there's such an unknown with with, with who's catching the ball for Aaron Rodgers at this point. Like, I think Aaron Jones is going to get his. Um, he's proven in the past when Devonte Adams was hurt or out Aaron Jones from the running back position can be someone who can be utilized in a lot of different ways can be kind of that safety blanket for, for Aaron Rodgers. We don't know much outside of that. We don't Alan Lazard, who is 
the presumed number one receiver on this team might not play this week. Right. He didn't practice on Wednesday. So how, how are the Vikings from a secondary standpoint, a very unproven secondary, like we've talked about kind of extensively throughout training camp, Patrick Peterson's your number one corner. I don't know. Like, does he deserve to be a number one corner? Should he be a number one corner in the NFL or at this point in his career? Is that asking too much out of him? Well, the Vikings are going to ask him to do that. How I mean, is he going? You're not asking to do too much this week, frankly, right? Match up. I mean, if Alan Lazard doesn't play, we don't know. Um, we'll you know more Thursday and Friday's injury report. We're going off Wednesdays, uh, but if Alan Lazard doesn't play, like, hey, Patrick Peterson, can you guard Sammy Watkins? You know, like, I mean, that that's not a number one corner assignment. So, but that's why I'm most interested in that part of the game because, like. You sure hope he can guard Sammy Watkins. You sure hope he can guard Romeo Dobbs or Randall Cobb. Like Christian Watson. If if Christian Watson, if the Vikings secondary looks overmatched at this point, I think a lot of it will be hinged on just that's how good Aaron Rodgers is. But they have to like you have to see something this week against the Packers pass catching weapons that proves like, okay, like this the secondary can play or you, you have to walk away from this game feeling like is the secondary good i think maybe like because if you walk away being like oh man like this secondary is not good against that crop of weapons that they have over there which is very lacking like i think it could be kind of a precursor for like this could be a rough year for for this from a secondary standpoint so i think that's what i'm honing in most on for the vikings defense is just like how does Patrick Peterson, Cam Danzler, uh, Chandon Sullivan, who former Packer, he, I know he's excited for the game. Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, like how do they look defending the pass? Yeah, I'm with you. I I think if I do think if Aaron Rodgers has time and can be comfortable, like he can rip apart anybody with any receiver. Frankly, uh, that's why I do think that, frankly, like Minnesota's defensive front like can they get pressure we've talked all offseason about Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter well Green Bay like David Bakhtiari Elton Jenkins like these guys coming back we don't know if they're going to play still limited practices as of Wednesday I don't really think they've gotten in like really full-on camps um, as they've worked their way back so either they're going to play coming off of frankly not like full camps or they're not going to play and we've seen Green Bay has pretty good line depth we've seen in the past like they can Mm -hmm. lose a Bakhtiari for a season and frankly you know, still be pretty solid up front, but like Minnesota has to win there because I do think like Warren Sharp last year and Aaron Rodgers, his accuracy stats came out this week. Aaron Rodgers, the sixth most accurate in 2021 when he was planted and the 26th on the move. Now we're not used to that for Aaron Rodgers. We're used to him being really effective on the move, but I think as he, as you get older, it's just frankly, you're probably going to lose some of that. Can Minnesota make him uncomfortable? Can they make it? They were a horrible run defense from a year ago. Can the front limit Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon to where they're not ripping off five yards of carry, because I think green Bay might want to go more run heavy here in these early weeks as the running backs mm-hmm. try to find their way. Can Minnesota make it more difficult? Can they, can they force green Bay into third and longs where, okay, now Romeo Dobbs has to win on one-on-one with cam Dantzler. Otherwise Aaron Rodgers has nowhere to go with the ball. Ideally for Minnesota under some pressure with Darius Smith bearing down on him. Cause that's where I think Minnesota can win. I think they can win this matchup if they can limit the running game success and then if they can get a little pressure and force it to be a green Bay wide receivers have to win the day thing. That's where I think they can win. Um, but if I, if green Bay's constantly facing third and two, um, you know, if they're ripping off five yards to carry, if it's always second and five, um, if the whole playbook's open, if Aaron Rodgers is super comfortable, if, if you can't pin your ears back on the pass rush, like 
then I think that Aaron Rodgers can make it work no matter who his receiving core is. So I just, I just think it really comes down to like winning up front. And that's going to be the case a lot for Minnesota this year, but particularly this week, like the secondary can't be a question mark this week in my mind. Like it's gotta, it's gotta hold up. Otherwise you, otherwise this is going to be an incredibly long season. Um, But it all comes down to, can you just make Aaron Rodgers a little bit uncomfortable? And then I think that maybe Minnesota can have a really good week one on that side of the wall. All right, back on inside purple and gold, Damian Zutani, Jace Frederick, preview Minnesota Green Bay. I uh, just touched on the Vikings defense versus the Packers offense, that aspect of the battle. Let's flip the script here, Dane. Vikings offense, Packers defense. We've seen Minnesota's offense have success against Green Bay's defense last year at U.S. Bank Stadium uh, when Kirk Cousins was leading the charge. It didn't go as well when Sean Mannion was under center uh, in, in week Shocking, 16. Right? Yeah, it was surprising for sure. Uh, but now Kirk Cousins back there. He's got his full array of weapons. You know, the offense totally healthy. Going up against Green Bay's defense, Green Bay now has, you know, they've got, looks like their full complement really on the defensive end. It's it's a it's good offense versus good defense. I think this is it's intriguing just from an NFL perspective. How good is Green Bay's defense? How good is Minnesota's offense? Two pretty hyped up groups going head to head here. Yeah, no doubt. And I think like you can just look at the stars on each unit. Justin Jefferson on for the Vikings and Jair Alexander for the Packers. Like that is a good kind of microcosm of how the game's going to go, I think. Like it's good versus good. Like, you know, how we talked about in the last segment with the Vikings defense and the unproven secondary and the Packers offense and the unproven pass catchers. Like it's the, it's, it's the complete opposite on the other side of the ball. Like Justin Jefferson is elite. Jair Alexander is elite. And that kind of spillover exists like throughout the rest of the, you know, Vikings offense and the Packers defense. So I, I think if Justin Jefferson wins that matchup consistently with Jair Alexander, I would assume he's going to shadow or I'd assume he's going to give more attention to, to Jefferson than, than Thielen and, and Osborne Alexander. I'm talking about like if Justin Jefferson can consistently win on Sunday, I think the Vikings win. I think that's, that's where they're going to gain their edge. I think if he can dominate the way he's dominated in training camp again, in training camp, very, in very non-physical practices, um, no preseason. We don't really know what Justin Jefferson looks like now, um, but we know what he's been throughout his career, right? Like he's going to take a jump this year. If he can dominate on Sunday, like I think the Vikings are going to be in a pretty good position to succeed. Uh, one thing that could throw a wrench in the whole thing, the whole plan is your interior offensive line. Yep. That's exactly what I've written down. Yep. Garrett Bradbury at center. And like, Ed Ingram unproven at right guard Ezra Cleveland at left guard. Like it's just someone we don't talk about. Like he's not that great. Like no, he's, he's a, just he's a much be- better, better run blocker. He's not a good pass blocker. Not in my opinion, not by the stats. I don't think he's very good in pass protection. Right. But he almost, you, you almost don't talk about him and like you being like, I guess us as the media and like, like, because Garrett Bradbury is so lacking, like you forget that Ezra Cleveland is not, like this, like Quentin Nelson dominant left guard, like he has some issues too. And you know, Kenny Clark could just tee off and ruin the whole thing this weekend. That is something I'm extremely interested to follow because like you just said, Minnesota's pressure off the edge on the other side of the ball could make Aaron Rodgers so uncomfortable that 
it renders like that whole area of the game moot. Like who cares about like the fact that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the most elite pass catchers anymore. If they can get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, like that could throw off the entire game plan from a green Bay perspective. Totally the same for, for Minnesota. If the pocket is constantly collapsing because Kenny Clark is bench pressing Garrett Bradbury into Kirk cousins, play after play, after play, after play, like they're not, it doesn't matter that Justin Jefferson could be the best receiver in the league. It doesn't matter that Dalvin cook is probably going to be utilized in a ton of different ways this, this week and, and, and beyond. We don't know what Ed Ingram looks like. He's been seen as someone who is this savior. Like he went against Javon Kinlaw in, in one preseason game and got worked out. Like Kenny Clark's going to be licking his chops to go against Garrett Bradbury Ed Ingram and Ezra Cleveland. They're going to move him around. And, and if, if that interior line can hang up can hold up, like the Vikings could be fine. But if it's, if it's just allowing free rushers up the middle, uh, it could be a long day. Ezra Cleveland is, is like reminds you of a good life lesson. Like if you're not great, just stand by other people who comparatively you're better. Um, and, and, and it makes you feel better. Like we never talk about Ezra Cleveland because he's the most stable member of the interior offensive line. Is Ezra, like Ezra Cleveland a good guard? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe he makes that jump this year. It's possible. He's shown some flashes. Like I said, like he, he's an okay run blocker. Um, he struggled a lot in pass protection before. Right? There's no, no, no saying it won't happen again, but more often than not, by the time he gets beat his, uh, his, his person his, next to him has already been run. Yeah, over. Yeah, that's right. right. So like his guy is just getting two Kirk cousins while he's on the ground because whoever, um, Garrett Bradbury was blocking already got there. And Ezra Cleveland could go, come on, Garrett, what are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> but I'm with you. I think that is the matchup for the offense. Like Green Bay is pretty stacked defensively all across the board. I think even, you know, even the tackles, uh, Darius Aldea, like they'll be tested because Green Bay is pretty good on the edges. You know, Rashawn Gary, um, they've got a lot of different guys there. Preston Smith, like they're pretty good up the middle. Devondre Campbell, gopher product is one of the best interior linebackers in the NFL. Like there, there's not many weaknesses for green Bay. And yeah, I still think with Minnesota, with all the weapons they have, like they can win. Uh, we saw that last year, but like you said, like pressure of the middle wrecks, anything for any quarterback, this isn't a Kirk cousins thing. This is a Tom Brady thing. Like if you come up the middle in the interior, you can wreck Tom Brady's day and make him look inept. Like if Kenny Clark is wrecking the day, he's literally like, there's not much Minnesota can do about it. Um, mm-hmm. And it, so it's, it's, and Kenny Clark's one of the better ones coming up the middle, and that is Minnesota's easily greatest weakness offensively, frankly, maybe for the entire team. And so it's best on worst. Um, and it's just how do you hold up there? And if if it doesn't go well, like people are already calling for Garrett Bradbury's head. They're already saying like, well, how, how did you not replace this guy? Um, if Minnesota loses week one and struggles offensively and Bradbury is the reason, um, it's, it's only going to get louder. I have an inkling that... <laughs> Chris Reed will be the center at some point this year. Okay. Like, I think that is something that the Vikings were trying to make happen throughout training camp and Chris Reed hurt his elbow. I don't think Chris Reed is on the roster still. I think he's an easy veteran cut if you don't think he has a, a role on this line. And I think the role that you wanted him to fill maybe was if Ed Ingram wasn't ready, like Chris Reed could theoretically go play right guard it was pretty clear from the early in training camp that Ed Ingram was ready or was ready to be the best of that, those options. So I don't think they're, they're break, They're leaving Chris Reed on this roster to just be this like depth guard. 
like a depth guard. You can go find that on any practice squad in the league. Like, I think that there is a real chance that at some point this year, Chris Reed is your start is your starting center. And I think that could be trending in this direction, depending on how Sunday goes for Garrett Bradbury. Again, it's just, there's a reason Chris Reed has been snapping the ball in practice. A guy who was brought in as a right guard is now a center. Like, I think there's something to be said that this, this could be something that happens at some point this year. It's absolutely a position where they need at least some kind of insurance policy. And they know that because this is a massive risk going with Garrett Bradbury again. Um, every time offensive coaches, Kevin O'Connell, whoever is asked about Garrett Bradbury, like they don't bash him. They do not praise him. Um, it, it's always like, yeah, you know, he's working on stuff. You know, it's tough. Um, you know, like never have I ever felt reassured that they believe in Garrett Bradbury by listening to their answers. Um, and for a coach speak, that is really saying something. Mm-hmm. All right, Dane. Uh, what's the implications of all this? You know, like obviously every Vikings Green Bay game is huge. It's huge for the fan bases. It's a big rivalry. Uh, but at the same time, it's not always for like a divisional race. And I think even coming into the season, I think both teams probably think they can and should win the division. I think fan bases feel that way, frankly, as well. Mm-hmm. So what is the importance of this one? And frankly, I'm just going to ask bluntly, can Minnesota lose this game and still win the NFC North? It sounds ridiculous to ask that in week one, but I think it's a legitimate question. The easy answer is yes, because like there's still 16 weeks left in the season after week one, but I would say no. Like, I think you need a split with Green Bay to win the North. And I think these teams are fairly evenly matched. I think I'd take Green Bay in a 1v1, like my life on the line, which team's going to win the game. I would pick the Packers. But I think they're close enough that if the Vikings want to convince themselves that they can win the division, they have to take care of home field. And I think if you lose in week one at home at U S bank stadium, where you just talk about how your fans are so loud and how it's the toughest place to play and, and, and all of that. If you lose in week one to green Bay, I I don't think you can just assume like, Oh, we're going to beat them at Lambeau. Like, because they feel the same way about Lambeau as you do about the U S bank stadium. So I, I think you need to win. You need to start off on the right foot and you need to kind of establish like, Okay, here we are. Like we're we're someone that you have to actually worry about in the north. I think if you get rolled this weekend, or even if you get beat close, like Green Bay's looking at that as that was probably our toughest game that we'll play in the north this year. Like a week one game where a lot of our guys weren't necessarily at, at full strength, full speed on the road in a tough environment. And and if Green Bay walks out of that with a win, I think they're gonna be feeling great. I think it's realistic to think that both of these teams sweep both the bears and the lions. You could probably, you know, curtail a, a loss in there for each team, just because some things happen in the NFL week to week, but you got to take care of the lions and the bears. If you're the Packers and the Vikings, and then you're just basically going against each other in the North. So long windedly. Yeah. Like I think they can lose the division this week if they don't win because if you're going to split, it's much easier to do that at home, take care of business at home, and then hope to steal one on the road. Um, the Vikings need a win this weekend. I think they will. I, I, I will get into predictions next next segment, but I, I think they have every chance to win. I think that, you know, if I'm, if I'm going on the record, I think the Vikings win this weekend, but I think they need to if they want to 
keep their their hopes of winning the, the North alive. So it was interesting because I saw a clip of Aaron Rodgers talking this week and it somehow he got into like the division rivals and challengers and whatnot. And he's like, yeah, you know, I think, you know, Bears, Lions, Vikings, like their fans every year come into it thinking like, hey, this is our year to win the division. And then he like smirked and goes, it usually doesn't happen with, with in my time here. Um, and he's right. Uh, like Green Bay does own this division. And I don't see any way like, yes, there are 16 more weeks. Say you lose this game to Green Bay. What are the odds you're winning in Lambeau? I mean, they're bad, right? Like like Minnesota in, in recent history, everybody remembers that Teddy Bridgewater win where they won the division in week 17, like six, seven years ago at this point. Um, and then like the other time they won was like when Brett Hundley was playing quarterback and, and Green Bay had kind of mailed it in on the season. Like it's mm-hmm. really hard to beat Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. It almost never happens. So let's just say you don't do that. Well, if you lose these two games, now you're already starting 0-2 versus 2-0, just on that math right there. And then you have the third game of the tiebreaker. So you need to be three games better than Green Bay and in the whole rest of the schedule. Highly unlikely. Like, that's not going to happen. Uh, so unless you want to bank on winning in Lambeau, which I think is a fool's errand, like I, that is setting yourself up very poorly, um, you have to win this game. Otherwise, the math just doesn't line up for me. So I think it's like if they would lose this game, I would put Green Bay winning the division at like 95%. Like a lock, Sands Aaron Rodgers getting hurt if if Minnesota does not win this game. And if Minnesota does win this game, then I think you're getting closer to a toss-up, frankly. Um, a lot, I would give them much better odds on Monday with the win than I would even give them right now not knowing the result. Like this is a massive game, I think, as far as probability for winning the division. And it sounds stupid in week one, but here, here it is, like, you better start off on the right foot. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard for you to get where you want to go. You know that cliche? I think it's in fantasy football, like the most. is It's where you hear it. Like, you can't win the league on draft night, but you can lose it. Right. Like, you can't win the division in week one. But I think in Minnesota's perspective, you could lose it if, if you don't take care of business at home. Yeah, totally agree. All right, coming back after the break here, we will get into a little bit more awards, bold predictions of – and then we'll we'll pick uh we'll pick this Packers Vikings game, which Dane already gave his pick, but he'll get into more specifics. <laughs> Back with Inside Purple and Gold, Jace Frederick, Dame Zutani here previewing Packers Week. Um Got a lot more content. Uh, If you go back to Tuesday's episode, we talked our predictions for the season, where we think the Vikings finish, how many wins. Um, Over the weekend, Chad Graff, now Patriots beat reporter, looked back on the Vikings, who he's covered for the last four years, gave his perspective, how many games he'll think he thinks they'll win. He looked at their roster. A lot of good stuff. And we'll have instant Packer Viking analysis coming your way Sunday night. You'll be able to find that. Whether the Vikings win, lose, we'll break it all down. If you want to find all this stuff, subscribe, follow. hit the little plus the bell, whatever the case may be. Uh, Make sure that all the inside purple and gold episodes show up on your phone. As soon as they hit your favorite podcast platform, Dane, it's been an interesting week because all of the awards projections are coming out. Um, We talked about like in the last episode on Tuesday, go back and listen to that. If you haven't like the national narrative about the Vikings, how many games they'll win, where they'll finish. We've gotten into more like awards picking. Um, We've seen a lot more of those from like the national voices. And I've seen now two people, Kyle Brandt and Michael Letterman, both from NFL Network, select Kirk Cousins to be their MVP. And I want to say like I tweeted, the number of people picking Kirk Cousins to win MVP is astonishing or whatever I picked. said. And I had a couple of people respond, it's only been two. 
which is that's totally astonishing. Fair. That's which, and then there have been other people who have come in their replies and been like, "Yep, that's astonishing." Uh, it's two more than I ever would think. Kirk Cousins has never been in that discussion through like past like the six week mark of the season. Um, it's never really even like I don't think he's been a vote getter or any of that stuff. How do you feel about this? Like, I understand it. I understand the thought of Kevin O'Connell coming in, the Vikings offense being great, tons of great weapons. Kirk's been a great stats guy. The Vikings could win 11, 12 games, and maybe now you're thinking, okay, Kirk Cousins is in there. What do you think of it? I see the possibility. I see it being a fun dark horse, but what do you think of people kind of throwing that out there into the universe? I think it's proof positive that we need the season to start. I think, like, it's just, like, what can I say at this point to make NFL talk fodder interesting? Because we have nothing interesting to say at this point because we've waited so long for the season to start. Like, thank God there's a game on Thursday. And I thank God there's a slate of game on Sunday because we're literally talking about whether Kirk Cousins is going to win the MVP because we need more things to talk about. There's no chance, Jace. He's, he can't win the MVP. Like, Fine. I guess there's like a conceivable way that like if he just has the best season of his career and completely reprograms his brain that like, yeah, like he could reach the level of statistic and, you know, production coupled with the Vikings winning 11 games that maybe you could convince yourself that he's the MVP. But like if that's all going to happen, it's going to be because Kirk Cousins turned into a different quarterback because he changed everything about how he plays the position. And I just don't think Kevin O'Connell, I don't think anyone can do that. Like if Kirk Cousins is going to win the MVP, it's because he's going to let it rip a lot of the time. And he said yesterday, like, I'm going to continue to play the quarterback position the way I've always played it. And that means a lot of checkdowns. That means sometimes when there's pressure and he's feeling really uncomfortable, like he's not going to give his guys a chance. He's going to crumble in the pocket. Like all of these things that have, have been a hindrance to him in the past have to go away if he's going to win the MVP. And I I just don't see that happening. Yeah. I mean, you just look down the list of guys who have won it. Like who's come out of nowhere to win the MVP. Like Rich Gannon, I guess did. Um, That was Kyle Brandt's point. Like Rich Gannon and Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan. And that's it. Right. Like, and Matt Ryan, I think had shown quite a bit before that as well. Um, Rich Gannon, maybe not as much, but you're talking two times in the last, however many years, like Kurt Warner, I guess, obviously, coming in as the backup quarterback, but not guys who we've seen like massive sample sizes that they aren't that. And Kirk, frankly, hasn't been that. Um, I will say, if you haven't seen it, you'll easily go find Kyle Brandt's clip of him picking Kirk Cousins from Good Morning Football. It was amazing. Um, he Hilarious. Had the, he had the jersey tucked in and he's like, because that's how Kirk would wear it. Um, he's like, fanny pack, all of it. And um, then they showed Kirk Cousins like from his Instagram or whatever, where he fell asleep this summer and outside and had the sunburn on his neck and arms and like incredible farmer sunburn uh it was all really good he's like oh yeah you say kirk can't win the big one kirk can't win in the playoffs doesn't matter it's a regular season award baby (laughs) uh kyle brandt delivered it exactly how you think kyle brandt would deliver it it was beautiful um kirk is 50 to 1 to win mvp on DraftKings sportsbook what do you think is more likely because justin jefferson's 150 to 1 but if just more likely, one versus the other. Justin Jefferson wins MVP or Kirk Cousins wins MVP? It's probably Kirk just because it's the quarterback narrative. Yeah, I agree. But if I'm, but if I'm throwing money down on 50-1 to one or 150-1, to one, I'm just throwing it on Jefferson because I think if Kirk's having an MVP caliber season, it just takes a couple of 
it's it's the same in every sport. Like an MVP candidate has an MVP moment and then their stock explodes. If Kirk's having a great year, if he's in this conversation for for MVP, it's because Justin Jefferson is also having a great year. And if Justin Jefferson were to put up some random game where he he goes over 200 and has three touchdowns, then I think the talk would start like, oh man, should he be the MVP? Like, So I think it's a smarter money bet if you're just going long shots to take the receiver. But no, it's more likely Kirk's the MVP if there is going to be one from the Vikings simply for the fact that he plays quarterback and quarterbacks always win the MVP. There's a reason why he's 50 to one and Jefferson's one fifty exactly. to one. It's certainly more likely. I will say like cup got more votes than Stafford last year. So there it's possible. And Justin Jefferson could put up a Cooper cup like season. I think mm-hmm. we think that's in the realm of possibility because he's that great of a player. And he literally has his head coach as the offensive coordinator for Cooper cup a year ago. So I, I mean, it's possible one fifty to one for Justin Jefferson. Like if you want a non QB MVP getting those types of odds, that's pretty insane. I will say, like, I can't bash the Kirk Cousins pick for MVP too much because we're going to get into ours right now. And mine's Derek Carr. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> mine, mine is the guy who now has, like, elite weapons at receiver and tight end and has Josh McDaniels coming in. Like, it's so many of the same things as Kirk Cousins. Um, I just think Derek Carr's a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think Derek Carr, like, was an MVP candidate before suffering like a season ending injury. And I think like week 14, maybe four or five years ago. So I've seen him play at that level. I think they're going to win a lot of games. I'm going with Derek Carr. So I can't like, like the long shot. I will say it's not nearly as long of a shot. And this probably like, if you're saying, wow, okay. Same chance as Kirk wins it. DraftKings has Derek Carr at 28 to one. It's not nearly as long of a shot that Derek Carr wins it as Kirk Cousins wins it. So Vegas maybe would think it's more plausible as well, but I do understand he's probably not a favorite, but Derek Carr is my choice. I respect the commitment to the bit at this point. Like you do this with guys in sports and like anyone who's followed us from the jump would, would knows that Jace has, was a pat, big Patrick Reed fan because he was on him before, like anyone else was on him. Now Jace has, has switched his his golf fandom to JT Poston because he was on him. Like Jace goes really hard in, in different directions of like commitment to the bit. So I respect this this Vegas Raiders to the Super Bowl Derek Carr MVP commitment that you've showed. Derek Carr's not winning the MVP. I'm gonna my pick is Josh Allen. It's not fun. It's safe. The Bills are gonna be the best team in the league this season in the regular season. I've already gone on record last episode saying I think the the, the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. So I think at some point in in the playoffs, like experience matters. I think Patrick Mahomes' experience will rise above Josh Allen's. But if the Bills are the best team in the league, like I think they will be, Josh Allen will be the quarterback of that team, and Josh Allen will win the MVP. Yeah, it's fair. Um, I've seen a lot of Josh Allen MVP out there. I think his odds are like three and a half to one um, yeah so i'm he, not going out on a limb yeah that's yeah that's it. fine i mean you're picking who you think's gonna win not like who's your dark horse pick for it I, it makes sense i think a lot of people think the bills will have the best record i don't disagree with that either i think a lot of people think the bills are probably gonna go six no in the afc east um and that puts you off to a really good footing in a competitive afc like in the afc west like the chargers raiders chiefs broncos they all beat up on one another um in the afc north at least like you know the bengals um the ravens and then they'll have you know, Deshaun Watson Browns late in the season. And then the Steelers mm-hmm. are always competitive. Like the bills have the easiest division. That's why people think they'll have the best record. And Josh Allen does feel like one of those guys where the, 
he's had a few great seasons now. He hasn't won it yet. It's almost like, a, well, we should probably give him his. Um, and if they have the best record, that'll be easy to do. Derek Carr, Josh Allen on record. So now let's get into if Derek Carr is a bold MVP prediction. Let's get into a bold Vikings prediction from each of us this year. Dane, a bold prediction. It can be player related. It can be team related. What is your bold Viking prediction for the 2022 season? My bold Viking prediction is that KJ Osborne is a 1,000 yard receiver this year. Okay. He was a 650 yard receiver last year. I think that Van Jefferson in in Los Angeles is proof. I think he was right around eight 800 last year in, in the McVay system. I think KJ Osborne is going to get a ton of ton of looks this year. I think, and this goes against my picks or my over under picks from Purple. Yeah, you Prop did have Party. a lot of Adam Thielen love. So I had a lot of Adam Thielen stock, but you you were convincing enough in in your argument that. Yes, Adam Thielen could suffer some injuries this year. If Adam Thielen misses four or five games, KJ Osborne's a wide receiver too in, in this pinball system. And if if that's the opportunity he needs, you, you just do the math. Like he's gonna play 17 games. If he's gonna reach this bold prediction, it's because he's played 17 games, yeah. right? If if KJ Osborne gets hurt, he's not gonna get a thousand yards. A thousand divided by 17 is like 58 and change. Like he can average 58 yards a game in this offense. I think that's, that that's, is it likely? Probably not. Is it a bold prediction? Probably. So KJ Osborne, a thousand yards. Can't believe you picked a KJ Osborne related one. Was that you? My bold prediction is that KJ Osborne leads the team in receiving touchdowns. Oh baby. Look I, at I us. Think he gets to double digits. Uh, like Adam Thielen. I, I mean, I think Adam Thielen could get up to a really strong start, but I think by the end of the year, so this week in the Pioneer Press, you can read it. Uh, Chris Thompson's story, KJ Osborne said, I'm the best number three wide receiver in the NFL. Well, I think that's going to be false by the end of the year because I think KJ Osborne will be a number two receiver. Um, I, I think the torch will be passed from Adam Thielen to KJ Osborne. I think that'll be pretty clear by year's end that Thielen is the third option in this receiving game, whether that be from injury or frankly, just that KJ Osborne's stock and stars rising. Um, I think we're going to see that. I think we saw like Kirk Cousins trust KJ Osborne. Um, he, he, had no problem going to him, going to him in tight spaces. Like KJ Osborne was a touchdown machine at the end of the year. Uh, I, I think that's going to continue. He had so much production last year when snap counts were down, target numbers were down. I expect that all to explode. I expect his production to explode as well. KJ Osborne, I think he even edges Justin Jefferson in what can kind of be a random stat in receiving touchdowns. They can fluctuate. I like Osborne to be the guy who gets in the end zone the most for Minnesota. So if Dane's right and I'm right, then you should go pick up KJ Osborne in fantasy football right now. A <laughs> little bit different of a note. Um, KJ Osborne will not be the answer to this question. Who is your biggest swing player for the Vikings uh, this season, Dane? Like, it's not going to be, and this is the non-Kirk Cousins division. Um, mm-hmm. Who is the player where if they play well or they don't play well, it is going to have maybe the biggest impact on the Vikings season. This isn't, I'm assuming going to be Justin Jefferson. It's not for me. We both think he's going to play well, but who is it where it's like, maybe it's a little bit unknown, but if they're good, the Vikings have a better chance to be good. If they're bad, then that maybe spells trouble for the Vikings. I'm kind of cheating. Like, because I, I don't know if this guy is capable of playing good, but I think it's Garrett Bradbury. And I think okay. it's Garrett Bradbury slash whatever center plays for the Vikings. I said it might, I think it might be Chris Reed at some point. Maybe it's Austin Schlotman. You, you better hope it's not Austin Schlotman. He looked good in the preseason, but no one knows who that is because he should not be starting at, at center in the NFL. I think 
it's Garrett Bradbury slash center number two. If they play well enough to hold the pocket, to keep Kirk Cousins' face clean, I think Kirk Cousins could have a huge year. I think Justin Jefferson could have a huge year. I think other pass catchers in this offense could have a huge year. And all of that, I think the Vikings could have a huge year. Conversely, if if your center, whoever it is, cannot hold this O block, is getting constantly run over, I think your offense crumbles into itself. So the swing player is Garrett Bradbury slash whoever plays center. Okay, for me, it is Cam Dantzler. Uh, you talked a lot about Patrick Peterson and maybe not being a number one type corner anymore. I think you're right. I think any week that Patrick Peterson gets put up with the true number one, like a great number one, the Vikings are going to have to help. Um, they're going to have to shade coverage towards that player. And that's going to leave Cam Dancer, I think, on a lot of islands against number two wideouts. And we haven't seen, I don't think, a ton that suggests that Cam Dancer is going to be great in that spot. I don't really believe in what he's done as far as showing flashes in the past. Um, there's been a lot of positive reports on Dancer throughout training camp coming into the season. Those better be true. Otherwise, I think the secondary will get torched a lot. I think if he can step up, if he can be good, if he can hold his own, like, okay, now the secondary can be good enough. Um, and I think it all kind of comes down to him. The passing defense, I think, really does rest on whether he is a capable number two corner or not. All right, let's bust into the Purple Prop Party, our weekly feature um, looking at player lines. We'll also get into our game pick here at the end. But first off, Dane, we both scoured the DraftKings Sportsbook. We found a prop, whether that be a receiver, receiving yards, passing yards, rushing yards, whatever the case may be, and a lock in your mind to be an over or under. Um, go ahead, Dane. What did you pick and where are you going with it? I was tempted to go KJ Osborne again here, but I won't. Um, I also I'm going that. Justin... I'm going Justin Jefferson over six and a half receptions. Okay. I think it's a lock. I think that's you can like I think it's free money. And it sounds like a lot, but here, here's what I'll say. Last year, Justin Jefferson went over six and a half. He he hit at least seven receptions eight times. And you're saying, oh, well, eight times in 17 games, that's not that great, right? Go look at Cooper Cup. He did it 15 times in 17 games. 15 times he had seven or more receptions. I think. While Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup are not the same player, I think the usage rate is going to be comparable. I think Justin Jefferson, I think Kevin O'Connell is going to work to get him the ball, just like McVay slash O'Connell last year worked to get Cooper Cup the ball. 15 out of 17 games, Cooper Cup was over seven receptions, seven receptions or higher. I think Justin Jefferson at six and a half receptions hammer the over this week. Okay, I like it. Um, I went with one that is a little different. Dalvin Cook, 16 and a half carries, and I'm going under. Uh, I think this mm -hmm. is a trap line of sorts from DraftKings because if you look at Dalvin King's game log from a year ago, you see a bunch of numbers in the 20s, and it makes 16 and a half look like a lock. I do think this is the start of a new era in Minnesota where it's not going to be ground and pound. I think Dalvin Cook will be very effective and useful in this game, but a lot of that's, I think, maybe going to come in the form of four or five receptions um, to go with 14 carries. Uh, you know, like 18 touches, but they're coming in different ways. Uh, I really do think that even Vegas would think this and try to maybe get some more money on the over carries line. I don't know how many yards Devin Cook's going to rush for this year. I don't know how many carries he's going to get. I do think he'll be heavily involved. I do think he'll be effective. I just think that this is going to be a more creative offense um, that's not going to lean so much on the running back. To that point, Jace, I almost, instead of going Justin Jefferson six and a half over receptions, I almost went Dalvin Cook. He's at two and a half receptions think you can bank on the over on that too because you're right he's going to be used in a ton of different ways 
there was reports early in OTAs that he was lining up in the slot. And it seems like the Vikings have gone like super vanilla. Like we're not showing anything. Dalvin cook has gone out of his way to be like, I don't know how I'm going to be used in this offense. Like Dalvin, how are you going to be used? I don't know. I might throw the ball is what he said yesterday. (laughs) That's his way of trying to be coy. He's going to be used as a receiver a lot this year, a lot. So I think two and a half to your point under the carries over the receptions. Normally you can't parlay two things on one player, but I think both hit this week. Yeah. If, um, you know, one we're like one Kirk Cousins interception now away from people probably cheering for Dalvin Cook uh, to throw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right, off of the props into the actual game here, Dane. Green Bay is a one and a half point favorite. The over under is forty seven points. How do you see this one shaking out? We know, I think, that you're going with the Vikings. What do you see as a final score? Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, you just couldn't contain. I, I couldn't contain my my excitement to predict the Vikings win. Um, I think the Vikings win this week. I think they cover the spread. I think it's close. I think I, I had him at 27 to 24. I, I, you know, I think it's a high scoring game. I don't think it's a pinball game. I don't think we're, we're, we're seeing 42, 35, but I think it's 27, 24. The Vikings cover barely. It's a close game. That's my prediction. It's funny because. Until like an hour before this podcast, I had Vikings 27-24. And then I swapped it out. And I said like, okay, Jace, all for the last month, you've been worried about this team and how quickly they're going to start, how quickly they're going to pick everything up. And now they're going to go up against this really good defense. Um, And now you're going to pick them to score 27 points and win. Like sticking to my guns here. um, I I do think the interesting thing for Minnesota is that Green Bay has no film on what they're going to do. Uh, it literally like everything Minnesota is going to pull out. We're not going to have seen in preseason. Green Bay has no idea what's coming. Like the first series or two, like I think Minnesota could score a touchdown their first series because Green Bay is like, oh, that's the plan. Like we had, we yeah. had nothing for that. Uh, but as the game goes along, how many times in the past have we seen Minnesota have good opening drives in the Kirk Cousins tenure and then stall out? I think we might see some of that. I, I think Minnesota's defense is going to look solid because I don't mind this matchup in week one for them. Um, might be the best time to get Green Bay, um, Aaron Rodgers, in this young receiving core. But I think Rodgers is going to make just that play at the end. Um, Minnesota's offense is going to have times in the game where it sputters, and Green Bay is going to win 23-20. to 20. Um, Like I've said, like I think Minnesota's a playoff team this year. I think Green Bay is really good and will be really good and gets off to a good start. I like it. I like it. And I can't wait to, I can't wait to figure all, all of this out. It, the Sunday can't come fast enough. Thank God we have football on Thursday night, though. Yeah, we're looking forward to all of the NFL action. We're looking forward to talking after this Vikings-Packers game. Tune in for that. Do that by subscribing, following Inside Purple and Gold on your favorite platforms to make sure that you are getting our instant analysis Sunday night when that comes out after the game, whether the Vikings win, lose, tie, whatever the case may be. Dane will be there at U.S. Bank Stadium. We will break it all down afterwards. For Dane, this has been Jace, Inside Purple and Gold. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.